Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On this episode, I've got terrific tenor Brenton Ryan. He used to be a young artist at Ali Opera. Now he's moved on to many, many more exciting adventures. He just made his Metropolitan Opera debut, uh, I, God, like a month ago. And uh, he did it singing the same role. He's singing at uh, uh, LA Opera right now, Pedrillo, in The Abduction from the Seraglio by Mozart, which was his uh, greatest commercial success all the way leading up to Magic Flute. And uh, it's a terrific show. It's very funny. It takes place on the Orient Express. And uh, you'll recognize a lot of the tunes that are used in uh, shows after that. I, I can say that. Mozart did that a lot. A lot of composers do that. Nothing wrong with that, especially when you're Mozart. I mean, geez. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the interview. And here's Brent. He was a cop for 15 or so years, then he went back to school to get his, his doctorate um, and at Washington University in St. Louis. While he and was then, a police officer? No, after he retired. Oh, I see. Yeah, wow. After he retired. And so then uh, once he got his doctorate, then he got the teaching position. Was he a military man leading up to being a police officer? N uh, no, he, he, worked, uh, he worked in uh, intelligence and like state intelligence. But, uh, but yeah. That's yeah. really yeah, interesting. Really interesting. Uh, so, so, I mean... Uh, wow, I've got so many questions. Uh, <laughs> geez. How, okay, so how how did you get into music? I mean, what what, what was the deal? So, uh, actually, kind of, uh, I was forced to, <laughs> because of whenever I grew up in St. Louis. Okay. And uh, then I, when my mom remarried, I we moved to west to a town called Sedalia. Which okay. Is about twenty thousand people, right in the middle of Missouri. Okay. And I was eight, and uh, in an effort to get me to make friends, because I was already a pretty shy kid, mm -hmm. um, they forced me to be in the community musical of Oliver. And because there's orphans and, and thieves, and so there's a they need you know boys yeah, yeah. for this musical. Sure. And I you know went kicking and screaming, did not want to do it. Uh, it's actually a funny story that right after we moved there, I have a sister who's two years older, very mm -hmm. outgoing, ex extroverted, and mm -hmm. she immediately wanted to audition for Babes in Toyland. And I was sitting there while my sister was auditioning. Yeah. I said to my mom, like, you'll never see me on stage. You know, I just, I was dead so, set. Oh, dead set. Yeah. And of course, once I was in it, I was bit by the bug. You know, I was totally bit. Now, when did your folks divorce? Uh, in, in the early 90s or so. How old so I you? was like four or five. Yeah, I was four when my folks yeah. divorced. How did that affect you? Was it, I mean, was it actually, a... you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to my parents because they, it was not, it was not anything nasty. It was not anything uh, that we really noticed as being um, cataclysmic horrible. or right, anything. Right, right. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, whenever we would, um, We'd visit my my sister and I visit my father. Uh, you know, they, my parents are always civil. You know, it was they they did. I think looking back, they did a great job at not trying to make the other parent look, you know, monstrous. You know, they were always very wow. civil and friendly. So I okay. was very grateful for that. And how many siblings do you have? I have an older sister uh, who's two years older, and then a younger brother who's ten years younger, who's uh, my half brother. He's uh, on your dad's uh, on my mom's on side. your mom's side, right? Wow. Right. Okay. And are yeah. you the only one in music in the bunch? 
Uh, uh, professionally, yes. But uh, all of my family, they have musical ears, and even though a lot of them will argue with me saying that that's not true. Oh, but, okay, uh, right. My mom has a gorgeous voice, and she'll never tell you that, but it's true. My father was in a band, you know, back in the 60s. Sure. My sister has a beautiful singing voice. My brother plays guitar really well. So, so it really is in the in the DNA. It is, it is. Yeah, my, my great-grandmother on my mother's side was a beautiful singer. I have a, dis- a distant cousin who's an opera singer as well, a couple uh-huh. of them uh, that are opera singers. Wow. So it's, so it's, in, the, it's in the genes, okay. so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you were eight years old when you, when you did Oliver. Right, yes. And... Uh, and did you, I mean, that's what you really fell in love with? Is that what you well, said? Well, I mean, it, it really helped go? me kind of become the person that I wanted to be. You know, I was, uh, like I said before, I was really shy leading up to that. Even growing up in St. Louis in mm-hmm. school, I was very quiet. You know, my sister was always the extroverted one, and mm-hmm. I kind of was the opposite. What, what do you and attribute so, that to? What do you think? It's you just know, your personality? I think it was just my yeah. personality. And, and whenever, uh, you know, my sister was always the, the leader, mm-hmm. uh, the natural leader. The older sister. Right. Yeah, okay. the older well, sister. Well, that has something to do with that. Right. Sure. And so, uh, and she was always the one to um, to perform and she did gymnastics. And so she was always the performer. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I was just kind of more naturally quiet, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But uh, doing these musicals when I was eight and I ended up doing seven over the course up until I was 15. Really? Uh, I just, I loved it. I think it was... So you did one a year from that point on? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Wow. Pretty much. I think it was a, it, it was a way of me, because, you know, when you're in a show, as, as you know this, you are playing a character. You're sure. not really you. Yeah. And so if you're playing a character, then you can have an excuse and you to, to express be extrover- yourself. Sure. extroverted. You have an excuse to be you know, big and open and, uh, and you know, jazz hands and smiles. And, yeah. and with this sort of idea of, well, it's not really me, but that sort of was training wheels and getting me to kind of open up and, and be a more expressive person, you know, as Brent, not just the character I was playing. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I, I mean, were you, uh, would you consider yourself a popular kid when you were growing up? Or were you, um, did the I, theater help you? You know, make friends or? Oh, it absolutely helped me yeah. make friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it also, it was kind of a domino effect because uh, since I was involved in the theater since I was eight or so, they got me interested in singing a lot. Then when I got to high school, mm-hmm. I was also very fortunate because my high school, which is a public high school, had a very uh, good music program. Uh, there, the choral music teacher there was very renowned in the state. Hmm. And so the choral music department was very kind of revered and was looked at as being really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, that's that's pretty rare. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah that's yeah, great. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I got into the choir and and, the, and show choir as well. I was a show choir guy. Uh-huh. And interestingly, a requirement of being in the show choir is that you had to take voice lessons. And so I took voice lessons all four years of high school. And was that uh, supplied through the school? I mean, it actually just... wasn't, no. I oh, mean, so you had to do outside right, lessons. Outside, okay. outside lessons. Okay. But, uh, but that was the kind of... Uh, the kind of they took it seriously. Or, yeah, 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 yeah mm-hmm. right. That being in choir, I mean, you if you wanted to be in it, you really t- took it seriously, and mm-hmm. and it, it, those are some of my best memories of high school. Were in you know those those choirs and had great friendships, and so it really kind of n- kept nurturing that um, that desire for for art and singing. Because in high school, I wasn't able to do community theater as much because sure. of I also did sports and this sort of academics. Thing. So and, yeah, right. I mean, you're always busy. Right. Did you? Uh, uh, did you sing solos in choir? Were you always a uh, or did I mean? Is, I did, that, was, is that how it started for you? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I did uh, occasionally. Um, I got uh, occasion to get solos in in the concert choir and and show choir. I would mm-hmm. Occasionally, uh, there was a couple years that that I would have a little solo bit here and there, mm-hmm. um, which is always fun. It, I think it's funny that whenever I look back, 
because uh, I'm a tenor now, mm -hmm. but in high school, in our mixed choir, I was a bass two, mm -hmm. which is the lowest bass voice. Sure. And in the, in the show choir, I was a tenor one, which is the highest. <laughs> so it's, it's I kind of Do you still have that and, range? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be able to sing, you know, bass two in choirs now. Yeah. I, mean, I can I can sing lowish notes, but, uh, yeah. but I mean, you certainly wouldn't be able to hear me sing those on an opera stage. You know, you'd have to have, it'd have to be acapella for you to be able to hear those notes. Yeah, yeah. Do you miss the camaraderie uh, of singing in a group? Because I I, uh, I loved choir. I um, I mean, I didn't start singing until I was really in college. And uh, the camaraderie in the college choir at Cal State Fullerton was so extraordinary that I just really fell in love with singing that way. And uh, as a soloist, I, I spent a couple years as a principal singer uh, a decade ago. And that was part, that was one of the things that I really had trouble with was mm -hmm. not being in a group of people and being by myself a lot. Is that difficult for you? It, it, you know, it's something that I really miss uh, because whenever I um, was in college, I uh, I moved to Chicago for college. Mm -hmm. and at Northwestern? I, at you? DePaul, actually. DePaul. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, I've sung at that. The, uh, it's yeah. all that, that, that all dark wood. Uh, there's like a concert space. It's very yes, dark. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. It's exactly. very it's yeah. paneled. It's very yeah, pretty. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I heard over the first time this thing called a church job. I was like, "What is?" I had no idea what that was. And uh -huh. so I sang uh, in, a, in a church choir for four years, which I attribute to some of the most uh, or some of my most coveted musicianship skills, hmm. uh, because I was fortunate to be in a very sort of elite church choir. Uh, that I mean, they would literally get the music the morning of the service, mm -hmm. sight read it, rehearse for an hour, and mm -hmm. then perform it. And these were like very advanced anthems. I had to get the music a couple weeks ahead of time because it wasn't that great of a sight reader at first. Sure, it's kind of trial by fire. Yeah, so yeah. There was even then instilled this sort of uh, camaraderie that, it's, that it's I got a certain seriousness. To oh, it. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then I continued with church choirs. All through uh, past grad school, uh, when I moved to New York, and I was there for a couple of years singing with uh, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian, mm -hmm. and I loved, I, I love choral music too, mm -hmm. I really do, and I haven't sung in a choir uh, since I left there in, I think, 2014 winters, or no, yeah, around there. Mm -hmm. So I do miss it. I yeah. do miss it a lot. There's there's something that, and you know this as well, that whenever everyone is kind of singing together, there's those magical moments that you just know that you're locked in. Yeah, it's true. You're yeah. really in the groove. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, you get that as well in opera too. Sure. I mean, in ensembles and sure. things like that, and duets and whatnot, and even singing solo with you know with the orchestra. There's the conductor there, so sure. there is definitely that sense of ensemble and camaraderie as well. Right. Uh, it's just it's just a different kind. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you've got some great singing in the show that we're doing now, the Abduction. Yeah. So speaking yeah. of great ensemble singing. It's, oh, I mean, that the Act Two finale is that. That's really sublime, is right? Just, every time we would rehearse it, yeah, you know, with with Meister, we just we'd finish and then we all just kind of there are these five seconds of just sighs and smiles and yeah. just you know, it's, the music is just incredible. Yeah, it's for really, me, it's yeah. for me, it's Verdi and Mozart when it comes to ensemble singing. That's yeah. just my own personal preference. Obviously, I've, there are right, many, many you. masters, yeah. but. Those, Those are, are incredible ones. Absolutely. I mean, when I look at Verity on the page, I don't even have to hear it. I can just see it and think, "Wow, yeah. this is this is no joke." Right, uh, and it brings people together. You yeah. know, it's it's uh, like the Nabucco chorus. I mean, it's it's obviously the, one of the more famous ones. Sure, that, uh, uh, it's, united it's, a country for exactly, the first time. Yeah. Exactly, and so music has that that power, especially with singing, because everyone has a voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, not everyone has access to a piano or a violin, but everyone has a voice. And so, if there's that, if there, you have composers that are gifted in that medium of ensemble writing with a, a chorus. It can do some incredible things. Yeah, I agree. Tell me about the moment when you uh, 
uh, when it tilted for you, where you thought, you know what, this is, I think I'm going to pursue this. Yeah, it was, it was uh, again, sort of uh, by accident. It wasn't intentional. I, um, when I was looking to go to college, mm -hmm. I had been in music, you know, in, th in community theater and choir, and but I didn't want to pursue it professionally, but I liked music. And so I thought, I was thinking... What was the, was there a fear involved? Was there uncertainty? Well, what, what? It, was, it was mainly, uh, I would attribute it more to ignorance, actually, because okay. uh, I was in a smaller town. I, I wasn't exposed to a whole lot. I didn't know what opera was, had never been to an opera before. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the idea of making a profession as, you know, a, a performing artist wasn't something we saw very often. Often. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not that uh, I didn't think it was possible. It's just it's kind of like you know, trying a new food. Sure. You know, if you if you've heard somebody says, "Oh, that's really good," but you've never tried it before, mm -hmm. you're still going to be a bit hesitant. So Stephen Lord wasn't on your radar. Opera no, St. Louis, not, none of that. I didn't even know there was an opera in St. Louis. Got it. You know, okay. I, I was literally clueless. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I'd heard of Pavarotti, but I didn't, you know, sure. seek it out. through and, pop culture. Right, yeah. exactly, mm -hmm. pop culture. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to combine my love for music and and what I thought could be a job. So, uh, like, music business was something I thought was interesting. Sure. In. And my father sent me this brochure of DePaul, mm -hmm. which has a performing arts management degree, music business. Mm -hmm. And I, after some thinking, I was like, oh, well, let's give that a try. Moving to Chicago, that'll be an exciting challenge. Music business, perfect marriage of these two things. So you had the grades already to get in. It was no problem. I, I got in, and, mm -hmm. and because the music business degree was through the School of Music, mm -hmm. you had to audition with your respective instrument. So I auditioned with voice. Uh, what did you sing? Do you remember? I do remember. And this is so, this is kind of crazy. I sang uh, the Schubert song, Erdkönig. Sure, of course. And uh, and I'd heard it because I studied it in my German class. Uh -huh. uh, and it's like, and oh, that's disco. a cool song. Yeah, it was of exactly course. the disco recording. Sure. And I had no idea at the time that this was a kind of infamous song, especially for pianists. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, and I sang that, And I took that and I sang that as well as Roadside Fire, the Vaughn Williams Beautiful. song. Beautiful, sure. And I took it into my audition for DePaul. And again, completely oblivious that this is a very famous and infamous piece. And I took it to the staff pianist. And I said, have you heard of the Erkönig by Schubert? And mm. she just kind of glared at me. And she said, <laughs> yes. And then go into, into the audition and she did it, did it, did it, did it. Yeah. I played it like 20 clicks faster than I was used to it. And it was, sure. oh, it was, it was thrilling. It was yeah. really funny. But I sang the Schubert in the tenor key and I sang Broadside Fire in the baritone key. Okay. I mean, you're, yeah. eight, you're 18. You don't know what your voice no, is doing. No, of course. Of course. But uh, so I got in and then uh, part of the requirement of being a first year at DePaul in the undergrad program is you have to take your first year private lessons with your instrument, regardless of your major. If it's performance, business, wow. recording technology, doesn't matter. Okay. First year freshman, one year voice lessons. And I was clueless that DePaul had an opera program. I, I really couldn't care less. It's that a what, great that was, music program. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, didn't, I wasn't intending to go to opera. Mm -hmm. But part of the scholarship was taking voice, le uh, voice lessons and also part of a vocal scholarship is you had to audition for the opera. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. So I auditioned for it. My very first opera experience was being in the chorus of Marriage of Figaro. Nice. And, uh, oh. and also a great Boy, that, thing. Talk about that finale. Boy, that <sighs> choral finale. It's that's, just, just beautiful. That is it? like one of my all-time. It is beautiful favorite musical It brings me to tears ever. if it's done well. I do it a lot actually in warm up even you know during abduction I sit there and just play yeah play that yeah. Uh, play that music. No, oh, so you play the piano. A little bit. I kind of Did you grow it. up playing the piano? I took uh, a couple lessons when I was uh, 9 or 10 or so. Okay. Uh, meaning a couple of years and then I quit cuz I didn't like to practice. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> And of course as so many people say, you know, I really regret that, which I do. Yeah. But it kind of gave me uh, the sort of ear for it and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, okay, so so you did Marriage of Figaro. Did what was Marriage that of Figaro? Like? It was it was great. It yeah. was interesting. Uh, again, I'd never done anything like it before. I was although I was familiar with the theater. You know, yeah, I was being I, on stage, being on stage and, in the community mm-hmm, theaters and the wings and, so, and sure. And um, however, the another great thing about DePaul and being in Chicago is that uh, all the music students get free tickets to the final dress rehearsals of Chicago lyric shows. It's a pretty good. And house. so yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> and so I saw my first operas there. I, my yeah. first opera was Carmen with Denise Graves. Sure in 2005 i think it was or six and so and i saw a bunch of operas over the course of those four years and then just got hooked by the end of my freshman year beginning of sophomore year i was like yeah i want to do this so i i switched my major to voice, voice to, performance wow. and i never looked back yeah. and did you start as a tenor there i started as a baritone actually okay um but mainly, I would. It, you can say baritone, or you can say tenor who can't sing above a G. Baritone, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Baritone, sure, sure. Broadway um, tenor, sure. yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. I had this sort of kind of middleish color, but it was clear by the end of my first year of study that you know I was probably a tenor, and so this, was it your teacher that yes pushed yeah, you in that direction exactly. Um, and so we started my second year starting with with tenor repertoire. Yeah, what were you singing? Mozart, oh gosh, my the very song. first the very first aria. I ever learned was Dalla Sua Pace. Of course, I still Giovanni. sing it. Yeah, sure. right. Yeah, and uh, and we worked on uh, you know art songs. You know that we would. I was taking in vocal lit classes and mm-hmm. these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but I I. Everything above a G was still kind of a hope and a prayer. Sure. Uh, those, those first oh, couple of those... I'm 47. I still feel that <laughs> yeah, way. Right. Yeah. And I still <laughs> I feel that way, never, too. I hardly ever know what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, there, there are days where I'm like, oh, gosh, well, let's, so here it let's goes. see what happens. <laughs> right. Stand up straight and yep. sing. Give it your best. Yeah. But, yep. uh, but yeah, so by, by, the, by my last couple of years, I was starting to kind of settle into the idea of you know, being a tenor, which is you know, no you know, easy task, yeah. as you know as well. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that, it's that funny was it. how much your identity depends on your repertoire too. I feel like because I mean, the, uh, as I get older, and I was just having this discussion last night in the green room, I would not be at all surprised if I started singing baritone rap at some time, just to extend my career. I love what I do. Uh, the top is getting harder as you get older, uh, but my voice is filling out, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and I, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see anything. I don't know where I was going with no, that. No, no, I, I think the, the, you bring up a really interesting point that... Uh, oh, yeah, the, the identity. Yeah, yeah so, the, so what identity. it is is the switch right. for me is much less of a vocal challenge. Right. But uh, but really, it's more of an identity crisis. Right. It's and, crazy. And also the, the idea of the the societal pressure to, mm-hmm. to stay a certain you know voice type. Mm-hmm. That, you know, what, uh, what Domingo's doing, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, he was uh, first baritone, then a tenor for many years, and now back to baritone, mm-hmm. that a lot of people see that as kind of, oh, or uh, uh, some people think, oh, this is revolutionary. But actually, it was very common, you know, uh, many, many years ago in, in the opera world. I think of Ramon Vinay, who is a very famous Chilean held in tenor mm-hmm. in the 40s, 50s, mm-hmm. you know, or so. And he was known for performing simultaneously, meaning at the same time during his career, Otello's and Diago's and Verdi's Otello. So much so that he would give the anecdote that he was doing a, a show one time when he was in the middle of Otello and forgot which part he was singing. <laughs> so it was very common. And, and also Rosa Poncel, very famous uh, soprano, sure. loves singing Carmen. Of course. And, and Ana Maria Martinez uh, does, is doing that um, as well, she's singing Carmen here uh, ne- next season, and she's also a soprano too. So there's this 
it really is more common than you, uh, than people think. I, I mean, think. do you think that has to do? Do you think that the lack of that commonality these days is is can be attributed to the size of the houses and the and the vol volume of sound that the audience is expected expecting to hear? I think that that could be part of it. Sure. I mean, I can imagine in a in a six hundred seat house, you could do that quite easily. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, or without ruining your voice. Yeah. Uh, well, Discow is famous for that. I mean, right. he 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 really didn't have a very big voice. He you know, he'd swallow the mic in his recordings right. and sound beautiful, and then everybody would try and copy him and ruin their voices. Um, <laughs> but yeah, house, size, size of house surely has something to do with that as well. But uh, but I think, in in my opinion, that if you have the the, the vocal you know ability to mm -hmm. be able to perform a certain role, regardless of what kind of vocal fach mm -hmm. it is or, mm -hmm. or or type it is, that if you can still be heard well over the orchestra, if it's still you know a good vocal mm -hmm. fit for you, then mm -hmm. why not? Marketability. You know? That's why. Maybe that's it. Maybe and and you can. There's there's one camp that says you know if you're a tenor you should only sing tenor rep. That's right. what you do. And there, there's the other camp that says well hey if you do tenor and baritone rep it makes you more marketable. It makes you more versatile. So you have the the two. I want to be in that sides. camp. The, the other yeah that camp yeah that's the one. And I want. And, you, and you'll get I mean people can debate for hours upon hours about what it should be. Sure. Um, but you know at at the end of the day yeah, as as the performing performing artist you make the decision. Yeah. So did you ever consider going into Broadway? Uh, repertoire? Um, you know, uh, yes and no. I, I think that because uh, I love uh, musical Broadway, theater, yeah, mm -hmm. musical theater. Mm -hmm. um, but my passion is is looking at specifically musical theater. I I'm more personally and vocally drawn to uh, things like Sondheim. Sondheim and things like Bernstein and things and like the the, the classic American musical theater as well. Um, I I also feel like I would do those better. Uh, I'm not. Particularly trained in in belting or the more pop style of of musicals uh, like you're singing Wicked or Rent or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are great shows, but mm -hmm. I just know that I wouldn't be able to do them as well. That there are countless singers who'd be able to do it far better than I would. Mm -hmm. But uh, but definitely the ones that require a uh, more classical singing technique, mm -hmm. uh, like Sondheim's Bernstein, you know, Hammerstein, uh, Kern, these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to do. You Me know, too. And, and I've done a couple of them. Uh, I did West Side Story in Aspen six years ago. Little Night Music mm -hmm. uh, at, at Houston Grand oh, a few years ago. So that that duet that oh uh, I forget what every it's day called. a little death. Yeah, oh, it's so great. It's that's yeah. some great music. I it's mean, Sondheim music. is unbelievable. Oh, I mean, his lyrics. I find it especially. hard to learn too. Some of it's very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's so clever. It's so fresh and, and yeah. witty that yeah. you know that's he's really a true american treasure of of lyrics you mm -hmm. know it's just uh it's really really incredible mm -hmm. yeah so uh so you're at DePaul. yes and you're progressing nicely you're i'm sure you're singing uh uh primary and secondary tenor roles through through yeah i i was kind of i was doing secondary tenor roles and then uh i well the the first operatic lead i had mm -hmm. was i was uh the spring of my sophomore year my second year i did captain mckeith in britain's a beggar's opera which is after the never he, seen it he he realized jonathan gay's uh, uh music and and kind of like he did with personal songs mm -hmm. like he did personal songs where he would kind of slightly modernize them and that's what he did with this opera and so that was that was really exciting for me yeah um and then uh i did you know some some other roles as as well but yeah i did both secondary and 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 prime oh did nanki poo is my last was sure. my last thing in mikado which sure. was great that was a lot of fun were you ever vocally stressed out through that period of time like do, do, do you oh, ever I was, I was a tenor absolutely. because i hear you man i hear you all the time and 
I never think I have never once heard you th- saying and think, "Oh man, this is this isn't going to go well." Oh, I appreciate it. It always s- sounds That's very steady and very uh, measured, not in not emotionally. I think you're emotionally very expressive with your voice, but um, technically very steady. I I appreciate that. Uh, th- that's that's nice to hear. And absolutely no, it was not like that. Really? <laughs> uh, no, it was. Uh, I especially in undergrad, uh, especially as a tenor or a male voice, mm-hmm. that the fear of cracking was huge yeah. for, for me. That yeah. uh, that I even in undergrad learned some ways to not crack, which are not necessarily the, the best things to do. Like turning up stage and not singing. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, exactly. Or just well, and also when you're that young, you can kind of will things with That's with sort of strength yeah. that you can't do when you're older. And so uh, that's something that uh, as I continued to study and when I went to grad school at Rice with, mm-hmm. with Dr. King, mm-hmm. uh, that I started to kind of be okay with the idea of of cracking and and when you're figuring out you know singing above f sharp g Mm -hmm. that you know that the idea of making it happen is actually counterproductive right that that the most very specific things have to happen right that yes and this is this is a concept that it took me years to learn and i really don't feel that i was able to start to solidify until about maybe three years ago Mm -hmm. but the idea that yes there is great energy involved in singing but there has to be a balance between being able to have that energy be used in its most efficient way Mm -hmm. and to not let that energy be kind of bottled up in unhelpful places become muscular yeah right Right. exactly because there's definitely muscles involved there's definitely you know tension Mm -hmm. involved in singing Mm -hmm. but there's you know efficient and good tension and then there's the unefficient unhelpful bad tension Mm -hmm. and it's being able to because uh, there's this, obvious, this uh, common idea of, okay, well, I'm not supposed to feel tension. And so you completely relax and you become, you know, limp and, and not engaged. Mm-hmm. And then the only way to really sing is to smack things together and use muscle. Right. And so, and, or you go the other way that, oh, I'm supposed to be engaged. And so you feel you're so overly, you know, stressed and mm-hmm. tense that you're not able to you know, feel freedom and, and, right. and the air. So it's that. It took me years to to find that balance. Did you ever get to a place where, uh, first of all, you don't seem to be a very nervous performer. Would you agree with that? Uh, Generally, I mean, I am nervous. However, one thing that I, a technique that I use that helps me Mm -hmm. is that the more involved in the character I get, the less nervous I feel because, because it's not you anymore. Exactly. Out there. Go, yeah. I mean, you, I guess you could. You know, if you were you know, a Freudian, you know, person, you go, "Well, actually, Brent, that's because of when you were eight years uh, old." Right. And, you know, <laughs> but but for me, that's really helpful. That um, that actually, some of the most nervous moments for me are what we call the first day of school in rehearsal. Right. Whenever you get there, the first day, and just stand and sing your part, and that's all you do. Uh, that's the most nerve-wracking for me. Because it's just you. Because it's just you. Yep. You're in your street clothes, yep. and it's all about the music, and you're not doing staging. Um, I, for me, I have to always give myself the inner, you know, mental task of of singing like the character. No, this is not, and you know, an aural audio, you know, exposition or you know, e- exhibit or something mm-hmm. that. For me, I'm at most calm whenever I feel completely involved in in the character Mm -hmm. because I feel that I'm actually able to sing better. There are some people that think, well, if you're if you're not thinking about singing, if you're not thinking about, you know, your technique, then you're just then how can you stay lined up? Well, that's what practice is for. Right. You, know, you you spend hours and days like and karate. weeks and exactly mm-hmm. that the the object is 
is what my acting teacher in undergrad, uh, Harry Silverstein, would say. You're the the idea is to get to uh, unconscious competence, which means that you are not aware that you are doing it well, and that uh, takes a lot of practice. You go through the first stage, which is unconscious incompetence, which means you don't know you're not doing it well. Right to unconscious. Or to conscious incompetence, mm. which means that you know that you're not doing it well. Yeah. To the third stage of conscious competence, you know that you're doing it well. And to the most ideal version of unconscious competence, where you're in the zone. That's the in the zone part. Mm -hmm. And for me, whenever I'm involved in the character, after having practiced all the vocal parts in the practice room, that I'm able to just let the freedom and the relaxed and calm of the character uh, aid my vocal mechanism to just send it out as freely as possible. Right, right. Is there a role that uh, is there a role that you've found that to be uh, more true than another? Like, is what is there a role that you've sung where you know that you're going to be in the zone? Uh, well, actually, Pedrillo was one of them. Yeah, because uh, it's the second time that I've done it, and and I think that it's a really great role for that for me mm -hmm. because his first few entrances are just dialogue, and so he comes out as. Just you know, but a, a straight theater character essentially is just performing on stage of the dialogue, mm -hmm. and for me, I love that because yeah. it immediately makes me feel in the character's shoes. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking as the character would speak. Um, you get and a sense for the set, I for the stage, sense, for exactly. the sounds, everything. Right, right, mm -hmm. and then um, and that and and also he's a comic character, which which and he causes trouble, and he and he's a quick thinker, and he plots, and so these sorts of things really help me get out of my own way right um which which is which is really really helpful another right. one that really helped me i've sung uh alma viva three times mm -hmm. the rossini yeah and I, i've sung that as well it's beautiful oh it's it's gorgeous yeah. and my, always my favorite scene was the drunken soldier bit me too because, hey, casa. oh yeah oh, exactly so much fun and because it was always a bit tricky uh it was always an interesting pro progress through the evening of singing that show because i was always nervous for echo de dente mm -hmm. his opening aria at least it's done yeah exactly right <laughs> And then once once that's finished and you get into the bits with the chorus and then you get into the I mean he gets to play three four characters. I yeah, mean, he's himself right. yes, and then yes, three yes, disguises. Right. Yeah. And so uh so that that experience of singing that role three times, uh over the course first time I think was two thousand ten, then it was thirteen, and then it was fourteen. Yeah. Um and that being at Rossini, as you know that if you don't have a sort of technique that allows you to sing it, it literally won't come out. Right. <laughs> the notes will not happen. That's right. And so there's, uh, with Rossini being able to sing it, it really also teaches you how to sing a lot like Mozart, where mm -hmm. if you can't get through a Mozart aria, then it's, it really shows you where the gaps are. That's right. And so I, I credit a lot to that role as well, because it showed me how to really find where the holes were in my technique and mm -hmm. to be able to you know bring attention to them mm -hmm. but also having the three or four characters on the, the, the three disguises yeah. to really play with yes. the character and, and to and to let that kind of help aid the vocal freedom yes i also found with that role that on the worst of days the audience is really only listening to three or four spots and yeah. the rest of it if really you could literally do that role in pretty in, in pretty dire straits if just by acting it because the mm. characters are so strong that you get to right. present. Well, uh, I, which is, in my opinion, because the play is so strong. I yeah. mean, obviously the music is incredible, but when you have a, a libretto after a play like that, I mean, it's, oh my gosh, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, of course. Uh, so from 
uh, DePaul. You said mm-hmm. you went to Rice I in did. Texas. I, I went uh, immediately to grad school. Uh, yeah. Is there a reason that you chose Rice? I did uh, for the voice teacher for Dr. Stephen King, who actually uh, um, we're, here. We're, we're here chatting at LA Opera, and he he teaches the young artists here as well, mm-hmm. which is great to continue working with him. Um, I went to the Aspen Music Festival uh, in school the summer before I was going to go to grad, or two summers before. Because uh, I heard about Dr. King and I wanted to work with him because I was thinking about grad schools and mm-hmm. I loved working with him that summer. And so then I applied, auditioned, and was fortunate to get in. No and other so, schools? You didn't? I, I also uh, auditioned and applied at the Juilliard School mm-hmm. and uh, Manhattan School of Music as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And from there, what was the big break into into earning a living? Oh, gosh. Actually, the big break was coming here to Los Angeles. How did um, that? Tell me how that happened. Well, I mean, I... Uh, I auditioned, well, and, and interestingly about talking more about Rossini, that um, summer of 2012, I kind of had uh, an epiphany or, or a breakthrough of thinking, well, actually, maybe I'm a Rossini tenor, because a couple years before mm-hmm. that, I discovered my top and high notes, and mm-hmm. I was getting, oh, well, you have really good high notes, Let's. how about you sing Rossini? It's yeah. like, great. Which I did for for a bit. Well, the coloratura really facilitates it too, uh, well, going up to the yeah, top. Yeah, you know? right. But interesting that the coloratura was the part that always I never really felt comfortable with. It was always a little huh. bit tricky, and um, and so whenever I did my audition season, winter of two thousand thirteen, mm. three of my five arias were Rossini arias, and the other two were one of them was an aria from Berg's Lulu, and the other one was a uh, John Musto uh, aria from his opera Volpone. Which and those huh. I love singing those, but of course nobody really never knew them. Right. And I thought, well, I sing Rossini, so I will sing you know, a lot of Rossini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the first uh, few auditions were just no good. You know, I think maybe only one callback, and it was very disheartening. And then my last young artist audition was for LA Opera Program with Josh Winograde. Mm-hmm. And, and I just said, oh, screw it. I'm just going to start with the thing that I love to sing the most. Of course, this is what people always tell you to do. Um, <laughs> I'm going to learn something new today. Right. right. <laughs> so I started with the John Musto aria okay. because I did that opera at Rice. And it's a really fun aria. It's it's a it's sort of villainous, you know, exciting, declamatory, big high notes and, and thrilling. Uh, and, and I sang it. And little did I know, uh, whenever I said, I'm going to sing uh, the aria, the fly aria from John Bosto's Volpone, and Josh Winograd said, I knew it very well. Uh, I said, what? what? Little did I know that he created the role of Volpone at Wolf Trap at its premiere in 2004. I had no clue. So that was kind of universe, you yeah. know, smiling number one. Yeah. And then when I finished, he said, can I hear the Lulu, please? Again, I was shocked because it was my other favorite thing to sing, mm-hmm. and he didn't ask for a CD. And then uh, after that, he called and he said, you know, Brent, I have this amazing vision for you. I think you know, this, this idea of the repertoire that you sang is exactly what you should be singing. And when I came here, he and I had a conversation. And he said, you know, Brent, you could sing Rossini, but you would probably only get to a certain level and wouldn't really be able to get past it, which I completely agree with. Mm-hmm. There's no way that I could sing at the at the level of Larry Brownlee or Juan Diego or, uh, or those guys. It's sure. just not possible. Sure. He said, however, if you sing things like along the lines of Lulu and the John Musto or things like Pedrillo. Um, you could be the, the guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And, and I was so 
excited and relieved right. at the same time. Uh, you no longer have to fit a, a round peg into a square hole. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm so thankful for my time with Rossini because it really, like I said before, it taught me a lot about my vocal technique and mm -hmm. kind of forced me to come to terms with gaps um, that, that I needed to, to figure out. But now taking the, the marriage of starting to figure out my singing with repertoire that I felt really fit, uh, not only my, my voice, but I, what I love to do, mm -hmm. uh, it was great. And mm -hmm. so my two years here at this program were awesome. Uh, uh, Josh and the staff here and Master Colin were really great. And Master Domingo were really, really supportive in this, I mean, let's face it, not so normal or standard, you know, repertoire path. Um, but it's it's what I absolutely love, and and I've been very grateful and fortunate to get response from that. Sure. And so that's that's really how it started. So are you officially no longer a young artist here? Is that right? Uh, yes, officially. I I left my um, I, I finished the program uh, last spring. Mm -hmm. So and I know that you made your Met debut. I did. Tell I me did. about that. That was incredible. Uh, that oh, was. I'm sorry. Before you yeah, answer that, sure. When you came here, did that? What did that do for you? This is a question I thought of. Actually, you know, I don't normally think of questions uh, ahead of time. <laughs> this is the, the time in the interview where I'm going to ask the question that I already thought of. Um, what uh, what happened to you professionally when you became a young artist? It, I guess my question is, when did it go from being a student to, to I assume, getting management, to getting mm. an agent, that kind of thing? Was it through this program? How, how does it, that happen? It, it, well, I mean, yes, yes and no. Yes, in terms of this kind of program really uh, pushing me over the edge into those uh, into those experiences. Mm -hmm. But of course, everything that I had done leading up to it got me to this point. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so I, I my experiences in in Houston at, at Rice, you know, and being able to sing with Houston Great Opera in fourteen, that was a huge thing as well to sing with an A House mm -hmm. uh, for a debut. Uh, time at, at DePaul, and you can go all the way back sure. to everything leading up to it. But when I got here, especially talking with uh, Josh and the people at the company about the ideas with repertoire, and it changed completely my my audition package with with arias and and I went to Europe to do a bunch of auditions, which I used to hate doing because mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't comfortable in the repertoire. It makes sense, but mm -hmm. now I had rep that I loved singing, and mm -hmm. so auditions became more and more. Uh, comfortable or things that I looked forward to. And whenever I first got here, uh, in 14 Operalia, Domingo's opera competition was being held here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And a bunch, uh, that's a competition where a lot of casting directors, management companies come like scouting for sports. It's the same thing. They mm -hmm. kind of listen to the talent. And since they were here in LA, they uh, a huge panel and people agreed to hear the young artists sing because I wasn't competing that year. And so I sang I did the John Musto aria, I did Henrik from A Little Night Music, and I did Lulu, the, the painter's aria. Mm -hmm. And uh, and immediately after that uh, audition, um, a gentleman came up to me and he said, hi, you know, my name's Adam Cavagnaro from IMG, and uh, really liked what I heard, you wonder if we can, you know, you know grab a drink and, and, and discuss things, and and uh, and he's, you know, my manager now, wow. and has been for, for almost two years. And so that so, happened before you got to the Met? Yes, that happened before. Uh, so, um, and that was within the first two weeks of even being here in Los Angeles. Wow! You know, I, I had ch chatted with Josh. We changed some things and with repertoire, and and so that was a huge light bulb to me. That whenever uh, people hear you singing things that just kind of make sense, like. yeah. Mm -hmm. And also for me as as a performer, I really enjoyed singing those things. Mm -hmm. That uh, I was very grateful that those two things matched up. Right. Right. And so uh, being in this program. 
really kind of helped bring me and expose me to that next level, which mm -hmm. is how the Met came about. Yeah, did you audition for them or did they just call? How, did, uh, how does that work? From what I understand, uh, the Met called uh, um, Josh, I, I believe, or and they were just, because Pedria is always kind of a tricky thing to cast. Hmm. Um, and and uh, Josh told Jonathan Friend at the Met, he's like, actually, you know, I we have a young artist here and I think you might want to hear him mm -hmm. uh, sing Pedrillo. And so, uh, and so, I remember when Josh, you know, uh, messaged me and he said, "Hey, you know, the Met wants to hear you sing a stage audition for for Pedrillo." And and after I flipped out, mm -hmm. I, I was got excited. You know, it was all the emotions. I was terrified, nervous, happy, everything. Sure. And I flew there uh, in I guess it was April or May of 2015, and it was a stage. It was a house audition, and I and James Levine was there, Peter Gell was there, Christ. Jonathan Frem was there. I mean, everyone yeah. who makes casting decisions was yeah. there because James Levine was also the conductor for the show. And um, and so I got there and I sang the audition. I started with uh, with uh, the art from Lulu, which mm -hmm. is always usually my starter, and then they asked for Pedrillo, of course, and and I felt pretty good about the audition. I, of course, I was nervous, but. Mm -hmm. My goal was to just show up and just to sing the best thing. I could mm -hmm. and then walk off the stage and have that be it. And then I didn't hear anything back uh, until the beginning of June whenever I was getting ready to fly to Ireland for uh, our wedding, for mm -hmm. uh, mine and uh, Naomi's wedding. And I was literally getting ready to fly uh, two days and I got an email or call from my manager. He said, can you fly back to New York to do a callback audition? Uh, for Pedrillo, it's it's between you and and another and another the singer, and uh, I was already scheduled to leave. And I said, "Well, can we? Is it possible to do it this one weekend before right. I go to Ireland?" Use for my it wedding? as a layover, or, or exactly. Uh -huh. Well, and actually, fortunately, my flight to Ireland already was planning a layover in New York, right. and, it, and just so happened that uh, Levine and everyone was happened to be available this one particular day. So I go back and I sing the callback audition. This is beginning of June. And then, which I felt went better than the first, and then I didn't hear anything until November. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, it's it's you know, I felt good about it. You know, that's perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I get a phone call from Josh Wintergrade, and he says, "Are you sitting down?" And I said, "Well, no, but I can." Mm -hmm. And he said, "You got the Met." And if, and oh man, I. I was I screamed, you know, certain expletives might have been involved. Yeah. Uh, but it was just just incredible. And so I found out uh, end of November and rehearsals were to start, uh, you know, the last day in March. So I had to, you know, a few months to get it ready. And it was it was incredible. It and was, how, did, how did that change your career? Was it a big was it as big a deal as you'd hoped as far as your career went? Or is it just something that is kind of normal in the course of things now? You know, I. I I mean, I guess I really won't be able to tell in the course of how how it goes until I a few more years and then I look back. Sure. But if I were to say something now, I would say that yeah, it was it was a it was a really big thing for me um, because it was a, a role debut um, and, and a role that I feel fits me really well. Right. Um, and it was also a, a Metropolitan Opera debut, and it also ended up being James Devine's last opera as music director. Wow. And so it was just, I mean, it was just an incredible and a really special experience. The cast was amazing. Uh, the orchestra was incredible. Yeah. Uh, the production was really lovely. And so it was, 
kind of one of these experiences that that I know that whenever, you know, I'm 90, I hope, and looking back, I know I'm going to look back and say, gosh, I can't believe that actually happened. Right, you know? right. And um, and so it, it definitely was a great moment, a uh, great moment for me as well. Yeah. Tell me about what you're singing for us now in Abduction. Uh, so it's, uh, so with Pedrillo, uh, he is the uh, servant of Belmonte. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, like a lot of Mozart's um, uh, servants or, or working class, much like, you know, Figaro and Barber uh, or in um, Marriage of Figaro. Mm -hmm. He's uh, very witty. He's clever. He's a plotter. Uh, he's, you know, a bit of a conspiracy theorist, you know, um, and... Uh, he and Blonda, who is Constance's uh, maid, is it's. I liken it to very similar to Figaro and Susanna sort mm -hmm. of relationship, or you could even say uh, Marcello and Musetta. Sure. They're, they're kind of that fiery couple, mm -hmm. whereas Belmonte and Constanza are more like the Mimi, Rodolfo, mm -hmm. a bit more, you know, uh, subdued in their passion. Right. Right. Um, and did you book this before the Met? Uh, this. How one... did this come about? This one came, gosh, I think it was around or a little bit after uh, the the Met offer came through. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, yeah, this this one this one came in as well, and I was really thrilled to be able to do it again mm -hmm. because especially after singing, working on the aria Frisch zum Kampf and and because that's really Pedrillo's biggest uh, singing challenge, and it feeling good, and then having done the role once at the Met and the role feeling good, I was just even more excited sure. to come here to do this. Sure. Yeah. What do you have coming up? Uh, after this, I uh, go home for a bit. And where's and, home now? Uh, home is in New York now. It is actually, yeah. How do you like it? I love it. Uh, that's where uh, my wife and I lived before we came to LA. I see. And it's it's great because she's from Ireland and I'm from Missouri. So what part of Ireland is she from? She's from Clare, so hmm. the west, mm -hmm. a town called uh, Ballyvaughan. How did you meet? We met in New York actually. Is so she's a singer as well. She's a singer and actress. Uh -huh. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Is she still doing that? Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. Uh, she inspires me so much. She's in my my opinion and. And yes, I'm biased, but of course. Uh, she's the best truth teller on stage. She just inspires me so much. And she's what about so kids? Great. You guys can have kids. I'm going to act like your parents now. When are you guys going to have kids? <laughs> we would, you know, we would love to have a family. Yeah. That's something very much, you know, that that we're looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. And um, I know you guys just got married though, right? About a year ago. And uh, summer of 15. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we got married in Ireland, which is beautiful. Oh, My family lovely. flew over, and it was it was gorgeous. Oh, it that's really so beautiful. nice. Yeah. Well, listen, man, it's been great having you on the Thanks show. Thanks so much, Omar. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Well, there you have it, folks. That was tenor Brenton Ryan. Thank you, Brent, for sitting down with me and having a nice chat. I always love getting to know my colleagues a little bit better. And Brent, you're no exception. You're terrific. Um, I want to thank Gregory Geiger for helping me with my theme song. Thanks, buddy. Still loving it. Go to laclassical.com. And to Michael Nielsen for loaning me his awesome Shure SM7B microphone. Sure, if you're listening, send me some mics because I think they're terrific. What else? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I noticed when I was listening to this interview, I, I tended to stammer a little bit. I was losing focus a little bit. And uh, it's no excuse, but my uh, daughter had pneumonia. She just come down with pneumonia. She's fine now. She had three days of antibiotics for a one-year-old. That's a little, a little bit much. But boy, I'll tell you, it cleared it up. Modern science is really something. I, I don't know how modern it is. I mean, antibiotics, you know, it's been around for a while. But it's science, people, and it works. Uh, what else? I guess that's it. You guys are great. Thank you for listening. 
Hope you have a terrific rest of your week. It's supposed to rain at the end of the week, so make sure your windshield wipers are working. Drive carefully, and always turn on your headlights. Until next time. Get onto my show.